Hi everyone, I'm Shulpa and this is Chic Lotus Controversial Conversations, where we will hear from people of different backgrounds with different experiences and different perspectives on taboo topics, hoping to create a more accepting and less judgmental world. Let's get it started. Today we have very special guests. I have my husband, Isaac, he's back again, and a friend of ours who has a really um, a powerful story to share. And today's topic, we're going to talk about not quite measuring up. And I can definitely relate to this in so many ways, whether it's all these labels and expectations put on me from my family, the community, just anyone and everyone else around me. So, um, for example, I just never felt like I lived up to the perfect Indian daughter just because, or I tried, I tried for so long to, to be that. And then I realized I don't fit into that box or that label of what perfection, a perfect Indian daughter is. Um, I'm way more free-spirited. I married, I got divorced and married someone who isn't Indian. I want to travel the world and do, and break a lot of rules. I like talking about sex. (laughs) Um, I share a lot of this, of my struggles and that's not really accepted in our community because you are supposed to be perfect. And I really want to break away from that idea and just share our humanness so people can realize that they're not alone. And yeah, that's just one of my examples of how I don't measure up, but I'm okay with that now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, here's our friend. How do you feel, you know, in certain parts of your life where you don't feel like you measure up to labels? Uh, well, first of all, hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. Um, I don't think I have like an amazing story or whatever. It's just my life. I think you every do. person. You do. Yeah. I think we all do. Yeah, we all do. We yeah. all do. And so, um, but this topic, I am the perfect person to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, I do feel like there's a lot of areas in my life that I feel I don't measure up in. Growing up in a certain way, in a certain household, all that. And then as life goes on, just trying to f- trying to realize like what is authentic to me. Is that okay if that doesn't match what everybody else uh, is expecting of me? Or my community. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and the crazy thing is like, I, I, I'm not there yet. I haven't like arrived. I don't, I don't, I don't really have myself all my shit together, but I think we're on, I'm on the path towards that. I know you mentioned your childhood and how you grew up. So tell me a little bit about your, how you did grow up. Yeah. What, what's your background, your family dynamics? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I grew up in a, in a traditional Hispanic family and, um, in southern Texas, grandparents from Mexico, parents from border town. And so they brought a lot of the, I guess, the traditional ways that Hispanic families function. Uh, we grew up with that. And so growing up, I always felt like a little bit different. Like I wasn't the kid that was always running outside to go play and do rough and tumble stuff. I was the kid that was staying inside doing artwork. And there was a lot of things that I, I think, I don't know, that that just made me not fit in with the kids at school or whatever. Yeah. It just, it just felt like I was never quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for instance, okay. So like growing up loving art, that was like a big issue. Like I love making stuff. Uh, I love, I don't know, tapping into that, those moments of just losing yourself. Like they, they call it flow. Like you're just making stuff or you're just in the moment or whatever. 
of art. My family, I don't know, like they never really said that it was bad or whatever, but I, I always picked up on the vibe like Hispanic boys are supposed to be outside playing, riding their bikes, doing this and doing that, um, not inside the house making stuff and sure as hell not like knitting or making stuff out of yarn or all that kind of like that's that's gay stuff mm -hmm. like hispanic boys don't shouldn't do that and so throughout childhood <laughs> I, it's, i'd find myself like having i would do stuff but i would like i would draw in the bathroom or i would wait till like nobody was around and then i would make stuff hide it underneath the mattress or hide it different places in the house one, for instance, like one birthday, I'd saved up enough money and I bought myself a loom, you know, like a, a weaving loom. They're, they're pretty big. Loved it. Was making a bunch of stuff out of it. And one day I came home from school and the loom was gone. And I asked my mom, I was like, hey, have you seen my loom? And of course she's like, oh no, go, go look for it. So I'm like looking all over the house. And I remember as a kid, I was like, gosh, how did I, how did I lose that? Like it's a piece of furniture. Mm -hmm. It's kind of big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just don't lose it. And then little things like that would be happening. And Later on, I, I started realizing like like I would find the things that I would make or the things that I would purchase or my toys would be like cut up in a trash can or melted in a barbecue pit. Oh, wow. Stuff like that. So And so like I feel like my parents were trying to do what they felt was best for me. Like mm. this, can't, this kid can't grow up like that. But that wasn't authentic to who I was. And they just didn't have the strength to be like, Hey, you be you and we will love you for that. They were very distant. My dad was always like going to work when he would come home. He was very far away. He was very tired. So he would just watch TV and we just knew like stay away from him because he was loaded. He was like, you know, this, this firecracker that, you know, would spank the shit out of us if we just were too loud or whatever. Um, and my mom was always busy being like the perfect Hispanic wife, like cooking, cleaning and all that kind of stuff. So my question is for both of you guys, what boxes did you feel like you had to be in and what boxes did you put yourself in that you weren't mm -hmm. measuring up to? Yeah. So yeah. Question based on what Isaac just said was that they were trying to teach you how to be a man, masculine yeah. and, and you just were, you felt like you were not measuring up to that. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. yeah. Like my older brother was in his skateboards, bicycles, that kind of stuff. But I, I just wasn't. So it didn't, it didn't work and it didn't feel authentic either. Like I would try, but like if I'd go ride my bike, I'd ride my bike. I mean, like nobody just watches. We do whatever we want. So I'd ride my bike down like three or four hours into this, into like a bigger area, buy goldfish, bring them back to the house, make like arrange their uh, fish tank and stuff like yeah. that. So like I would do stuff, but it just wasn't the way that everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, masculinity so I'll, I'll tell you this one story. Like I've actually never told anybody this because it's kind of embarrassing, but <laughs> so I, would, I grew up in, I guess I was a teenager and then the late eighties, nineties, we had just gotten TV set. I just discovered MTV. I would do this thing where, you know, like you just sit in front of the TV and then when your favorite song comes out, you start dancing that dance or whatever. So <laughs> there was a song by Madonna where she was like Vogue or something like that. Um, not my favorite or whatever, but I was watching the video and they're like dancing. I was like, oh, that's weird. So I start doing like mm -hmm. like this little tutting and Voguing or whatever. And my dad was on the outside of the house fixing his Jeep and... uh he looked through the window and he lost his shit and he started banging through the window. Mm. And um, wow. like, I literally thought he was going to break through that window and just like lose his shit. 
like I got really scared. I was like, wow, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. like what was I doing that was so wrong? And so I, like, I wasn't really picking up on don't do that because it was never vocalized. Like stop doing this, don't do that or whatever. And yet, even if it probably was like, it, that didn't really feel who I was. Like mm. it didn't, I didn't, that wasn't me. And so there was like a lot of confusion, a lot of like uncertainty, and a lot of shame. But you know, the crazy thing is like, I, I grew up in a very religious household. Uh, my parents grew up Christian. We were different. We grew up non-denominational. And so like for, from a very young age, there was, like, there was always like instillment of like trust in God, faith in God or whatever. So I actually, as a very young kid, I, I feel like I tapped into that and I, I had my own connection with, with God. And I remember, I feel like even though there wasn't affirmation from my family or from like the school that I didn't fit in or with the kids in the neighborhood, I feel like God was always providing little tiny aspects of affirmation. For instance, when I was in middle school, the city that I lived in released a contest for kids to go to art camp. I stayed up late at night in the bathroom, drawing the vase that had the flowers, folded it up, mailed it, was one of the 12 kids that was picked. We ended up winning free art lessons for the summer. I was in middle school. And so I was so scared when I received that letter because I was like, oh shit, like it's going to be bad. Like they're actually, they're finally going to say something. I'm going to get whipped. Like my mm-hmm. pa- my family was a spanking family mm-hmm. um, or something. I didn't know what it was, but whatever it was, it was scary. Mm-hmm. So I remember I waited till late at night and walked to my parents' room and I was like, hey, I, I won a contest and they want to give me free art classes. Is it okay if I go? We only had like one, one vehicle. The practicality of getting over there was... I don't know, like it wouldn't have worked out. And my parents didn't know what to do or whatever. And so my mom was like, yeah, it's okay. And then after that, it was just like little tiny things that I started winning art contests. I'd win like money or different things like that. And the crazy thing is like, once you start winning money, you start getting money like. Okay, this is okay then. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And there was was an art school in, in the area that I lived in. And in high school, I just started winning, not winning, but they every semester they would offer me two free classes because they would they would sponsor like somebody that they thought would be i don't want to say up and coming but they saw like they a passion or talent or whatever mm-hmm. and so throughout throughout high school i was taking silversmithing classes with them and i remember my dad would come and pick me up he would he would drop me off for like a two or three hour class stay in the parking lot in his uniform in his truck and then i'd walk out because he didn't want me to be in an area that was maybe a little dangerous, Mm. but he wasn't going to spend money to drive home and come back. So he would just wait for me. And so even though like growing up feeling all of that, not affirmation, I feel like God was still providing like affirmation through him. Mm. So I feel like with both of you guys, um, that did that, well, I actually have a question. So did that carry on to your guys's career fields in these um, avenues. So like Chopa, you went into being a makeup artist and then you went into, um, being an artist yourself. Did that aspect of like, you're not good enough and I don't know, hyper judging yourself carry over into the work that you produced? Like, did you ever feel like at any point you were good enough? Well, when I started makeup, I remember thinking, Oh, I don't know if I can make this a career because 
I never saw anyone that looked like me or that grew up like me yeah. that could make it a career. And but I knew I enjoyed it and I kept doing it and people were really liking my work and I yeah. feel that was that was God's way of being like, "Okay, you're good at this. You can make money. Let's keep doing it." But I was still doing occupational therapy at the time. That's what I went to school for. That's what I have my degree in. But I, I was doing that more to make my family happy as well. Mm. And, it, you know, I was trained to want security and stability. Makeup artistry isn't stable, but yeah. occupational therapy is. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then also do makeup artistry as the, my fun side gig until... It really exploded for me and took over my life. And I'm like, why do I need to believe everyone else's sense of like, oh, stability is the only way to go. So I quit my job, my full-time job, and I went and pursued my makeup business. And it really expanded and exploded. Yeah. And I was doing really well. But it's still funny how I had my parents. I was making way more money doing that than as an OT and working less hours. But my parents were like, oh, you got to work OT. You still got to work OT. You need that. You need that job. Um, but I think for me, it the success I was having, breaking away from their beliefs and everyone else's beliefs, just continued to show me that I don't need to follow other people's rules. So that yeah. was just an example of it. Yeah. So my, my question is like, was the art ever good enough? The art oh. that you produced, was that ever good enough um, for you to accept because of all the stuff that, you know, your parents and um, everyone's ever said to you, mm -hmm. did your art ever measure up for you? And so the purpose of the question is to get down to like the root of where we think we're not good enough. Where does it come from? And I believe a lot of it is taught to us. I it's other people's beliefs. It's yeah. other people's beliefs. And then we, as we start to go out into the world, we start to interpret that same disbelief in ourselves and so at some point you know we have to break away from everything that we were taught and we have to come back to kind of like that childlike state where you were pursuing these things just because you were interested in them not because of they were going to make you money mm -hmm. or because yeah. you know mexican boys could only do this or or um malu women can only be this um, so I think this aspect of us not being good enough really comes from how the world taught us at a, at a very young age. Yeah, no, I agree. In what regards about you? to creating artwork. So like, actually, nobody's ever asked me that question, which yeah. is a great question. Yeah. My artwork was never good enough for me, mm -hmm. but other people would be like, oh, that's great for like, you know, high school kid or a little kid, whatever. I just see so overworked and so controlled and so OCD, which is a tendency I have. I don't want to be that person that holds things so tight and has to make it a certain way. I want to be a little bit more liberal and more organic and more, I don't know, at ease mm -hmm. uh, in my artwork. And then also do it for myself. There is a lot of shame in doing artwork for me. And the crazy thing, like, like a word that you said was break away. When I, was in high, when I finished high school, um, I had been helping in a ministry that was doing outreach to um, a poor community in our city. And the house projects and so i had joined that ministry left my house not knowing that it was a religious cult and lived in a compound for like quite some time and so that broke me away from those fam those family voices mm. but then it introduced a whole new set of voices where it was like art is a waste of time your purpose is to build the kingdom of god or build mm. this ministry if you're not directly impacting us like that then that shit needs to go mm. um and so i i felt like 
art had to be utilitarian. It couldn't be art for the sake of beauty. And it sure as heck couldn't be art for the sake of like the experience. Like maybe you're going to produce something ugly, but that's not, that doesn't matter. The idea is like the moment and as you work or whatever. Like losing yourself yeah, in like it. losing yourself. Actually, it. I don't know. As you're speaking, I actually did think about how I have been very hypercritical. So a client could be super happy or other people mm. could think my work is really good. And then I've sat and been like, oh, this was wrong or that's off or yeah. this is wrong. And I'm like, you're right. It is other people's voices because there was a time when my family had done that to me and I've done that to other people because I was, it was so trained yeah. within me, you know? that I did it to myself all the time. And I still can be very hypercritical. Even with this podcast, I'm like, oh, the editing is not that great or <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But hey, I'm freaking new to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just so everybody knows, it took us a good like 25 minutes to figure out mic things. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. We all triggered each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I definitely agree with what both of you guys are saying. My question is, is when then did you guys break away from those voices in your head or have you guys broken away from those voices in your head? I think one of the, one of the first things we need to do is first acknowledge that those do exist, that we are, you know, living to our parents, to their expectations expectations. and to, to the way that they wanted you to live. But when did it happen for both of you guys that you broke away and started to like redefine the world in your own eyes? So I think the way that you grew up becomes your sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Like even if you grew up like in a dysfunctional family or super fucked up or whatever. It's your normal. It's become, it's normal mm-hmm. and it feels comfortable and it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so for me, growing up in that family like that, later on becoming part of a uh, a very controlling ministry, I think that only, how, I don't know what the right word is, but like, it, it expanded that concept of not being good enough, not measuring up into like every aspect of my life. Mm. And so, you know, I became a school teacher because I couldn't be an artist because that's like, there's no money in that. And that's, that's yeah. yeah, like mm. whatever. And so I became a school teacher because I do, I do like the idea of like serving and bettering the community or, or another generation. But I became like a workaholic. I won all these awards, like teacher of the year, blah, 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 whatever. But I was so busy. Later on, I, kids would come up to me like, hey, Mr. Zozo, uh, you were my favorite teacher. I love I love this activity that you did. And they'd like say this crazy, full-blown like activity. And I'd think to myself, God, I don't really even remember <laughs> doing that. But that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> And I just realized, like, I was never in the moment. I never, was never present. I was never with them. Mm. I was just so busy working, like, 6 a.m. to, like, 10 p.m., um, just trying to be, like, the perfect teacher. And, yeah. And, um, and so it was great for, like, my administrators or the ministries that I worked in, but it, it was not good for me. And and then just even feeling like you never measure up. You never measure up in your in your uh, career, you never measure up. And then it, it all starts also going like internally. Like I never measure, I don't feel like I measure up as a man either. Uh, I would look at all the, all of my child over my childhood and I would just see like, I didn't have those markers of like, I didn't play football. I didn't fuck a girl during prom. I didn't like, you know, do all of these things. Like I was an art nerd. I know art nerds are really cool now. If you think about like, what are the characteristics that people attribute to masculinity? You're muscular, you're good looking, you uh, have, your job position is in leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got a, a hot smoking hot wife and you got kids that like 
think you're super cool. And they're like awesome in sports. You make good money. You've got a sexuality. People see you and they're like, oh, I wish I was that guy. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't have any of that stuff. And, it, and part of me didn't care about it, but part of me always knew that's not you. You're not good enough. You're just not that guy. Mm. So, so once you guys started to see that like you were unhappy um, and you started to reflect a lot more, what started to come more into your life? What was, was there things that started to crawl more into your life? Was it, you know, um, you were seeking, you know, more clothes or more sex or what are the things that as you were going through this reflective stage started coming into your life? Well, I think, I don't think it was a reflective state. Mm -hmm. I think it was more, okay, I have to hide my true self because I'm not good enough. I don't, I don't live up to everyone else's expectations. So let me create my own little hidden life. And so for me, it was sex. It was, um, shopping. Oh my God. I've wasted (laughs) so much money. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And sexual too. You know, I had started to cheat and I was like, I was always trying to, seek this escape outside of the life that I was living and wanted to find myself outside of that, but also not really just find myself. I was trying to get seek validation from Mm. other people who didn't know the part of me that wasn't necessarily genuine anymore. Mm. Like I didn't really attach to, it was more, um, I don't know. It was just this hidden side of me that no one else saw. And then I wanted validation from them, from others. And it became a really unhealthy habit lying, cheating, just not turning into someone I did. I no longer recognize. So, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like your unhappiness manifested itself in, um, unhealthy behaviors. Absolutely. And I, I, I do believe, especially now that I'm out of that, that is what happens if people hide parts of themselves yeah. or if people aren't, um, secure and loving of those those once shameful sides, like people or everyone else told us that's not okay. If we don't show it, if we don't love it ourselves, that is what we do. It manifests in unhealthy, in unhealthy ways, addiction, sex, drugs, um, alcohol, you know, whatever it is, shopping. What about you? How did it affect you in your life? I agree. Like I I had a very similar experience. It was interesting because, you know, like sometimes you get into these positions where like, I'm in charge. I'm in charge of the classroom. I'm a professional. I'm a white collar worker. My parents are proud of that. Uh, I'm respected and I'm respected in the community, whatever. But as a teacher and I'm sure as a law enforcement person and all these other positions that we have that we have leadership or authority, sometimes you kind of start to realize like I'm the one that actually makes the rules. And so you start to allow yourself privileges that are outside of like your ethics and your morality Mm -hmm. or whatever. But it's part of its problem. Part like my thinking was like, yeah, I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. Or as long as I keep it clean in front of everybody else, I'm fine. So uh, as I was teaching, like you know, uh, later on, I, because of the stress and because of like the unhappiness and the confusion of like like what's going on or whatever, um, I think my life started to become something that I didn't want it to be. And I wasn't, I guess, influencing. I wasn't in control. Or not that you need to be in control, but. I wasn't, nothing was intentional. It was all like, I don't know, just randomly, random stuff happening or whatever. I had met a, a friend who I didn't know was gay. And later on, we were, we were, we went out of town on a trip or whatever. And he made some passes and I felt really uncomfortable or whatever. And he was kind of like, well, I'll just go with it or whatever. Like uh, that, nothing happened later on. I was talking to another friend. I was like, Hey, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm just like really confused. Like I was just so stupid. Like I, I was like, I didn't pick up on any signs that 
maybe he was like set like kind of setting this up or whatever but we were good friends and my friend was like you should go for it because like you know you don't really fuck a lot of girls and you're kind of like you're really artsy and like you dress better than me you got to be gay part of me doesn't want to hear that i grew up in a christian household and i actually do believe in god and uh, i want my life to be submitted to those type of things but like part of me struggled with that too like like maybe i am because you know i'll be honest with you like whenever i look at other guys and not everybody because so many people out of shape but like you know if you see somebody who's like super fit or whatever like you look at that person like and i'd be like wow that person's like that person looks really good and like there's part of me that is attracted to that and i think part of it's because i want to be that type of guy but i just don't have like the genetic makeup to ever be that person and then also like I don't, i'm not putting in the time to be that person and so part of it's like i want to own that instantly or whatever and so it manifests like an envy and mm. like shame for myself mm. like you know you dress a certain way so you hide if it doesn't look good don't show it and so i don't know you're always like timid around that person that that oozes that masculinity oh, yeah. yeah i've definitely felt um, that yeah and then and this is kind of a crazy thing so later on like my, me and that guy we still stayed friends and stuff but he kept on kind of like pursuing that in a really subtle way. And so we, we went out of town to see a Broadway show. We were staying in a hotel room late at night, I made a pass again. And I was kind of like, well, maybe this is who I am. Like, I, I really haven't. I'm not like the Don Juan guy. I can't pick up a girl. Even when I'm having sex, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm not that good at this. And so, um, and he was kind of like, just let me take care of it or whatever. I, I just, I was kind of like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And so, um, I mean, gave, gave a blowjob. I was kind of like just not sure what to do about that. But then after that, there was a couple more moments like that. And I, and I had to tell him like, hey, bro, I, I feel like you're looking for something that I'm not wanting myself. And as long as we stay together or as long as we stay friends, like you're just going to keep on putting that out there. And I'm not really wanting that. I'm not sure what I want. He moved away. But after that, it kind of like opened a door to like, wow, that was like, I didn't have to pursue that. That person came to you. Came to me. It was easy. It was easy. And then I just realized I'm not really going to say having sex because my thing became free blowjobs. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty easy for gay guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, and, and like the truth be told, like there was just, for some reason, there was just a lot of guys who were just like, hey, bro, I'll give you a blowjob. And I'm like, I'll take it. I'm like, I'm not going to waste that, you yeah. know? And so like, it just became this thing where like, I just on Craigslist and I would even start looking for it and people weren't even like, oh, it wasn't stumbling across my path. I was actually starting to look for this. And it just started growing into this thing where I was just like using people hooking up or whatever. And then I started becoming really specific about the type of guy like that, that muscle guy or that lumberjack. And the guy you thought you wanted to the be? The guy that I thought I wanted to be. And I, and I guess, and we've talked about this and we might, we can clarify too. But I think part of the thing that I was wanting is that I wanted that for me. And somehow like if I fuck him, or if, if he blows me off or whatever, like somehow I'm extracting mm. a little bit of that mm -hmm. for yourself, uh, for myself. I almost feel like you accepted once again, just like how your parents put you in this box of like how Mexicans need to be or how mm -hmm. um, you can't do art and all that other stuff. Like you accepted somebody else's form of putting you in a box. And so I, I wouldn't like knowing you now, I wouldn't say that you're gay. But I know that you still swing both ways, but because it's because you don't fit like the defining terms of being a gay person. Like, yeah, I just I don't I don't see you that way. And I feel like I feel like the person that said that saw you that way. And then you there was an inkling in your mind was like, OK, like I'll, I'll try this. But as I see you now, 
and you know, you're still, you're still trying to explore and you're still trying to figure yourself out. I don't see you as my gay friend. I see you as actually like my very much straight friend. You could be bi or whatever, but I, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't perceive it any which way. I have a question. Yeah. I, as you were talking, I was almost thinking, did you almost start to believe what everyone told you as you were a child? Meaning, so they were trying to hide your art. They were trying to hide these parts of you that they were embarrassed of because yeah. it wasn't masculine enough or it could be possibly gay. Yeah. That you knew the underlying thing that they were trying to hide you from, the truth. Mm. Then maybe you took that as your truth. Like, oh, everyone else thinks I'm gay. Maybe I should just try it anyway. Or do you No, feel- I think I just wanted to jizz (laughs) so i I feel like sometimes when you give yourself over to like sexuality sometimes you become like a sex zombie that's true when you're first exploring i I didn't care about these people and and i even thought about that too like do i really want this and i didn't want like i don't know that i didn't know this any of these guys first names Mm -hmm. i didn't even care about that i didn't want a relationship with them i i didn't even want to finish spending the night with them i just wanted to do what i want and and, and yeah and then so i was I mean, that's a very horrible way to function. Do you think it became your outlet, your addiction? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. did. It did like, you know, like if I had a stressful day at work, I'd be like, okay, let's go get a blowjob or fuck somebody. Mm-hmm. If I'm happy, hey, let's fuck. Mm-hmm. If I'm sad, let's fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so every, if I'm bored, like everything became sexually connected. When I was younger, I remember like always being taught like, you know, you, you trust in God, you pray and this type of stuff. Like, and I still believe in that, but at that time I was not doing those things. I was looking for something else to heal or fix me Mm. and it just wasn't quite working. I remember like, I think one pivotal point in my life was, you know, I was at my house. It was probably like 1am in the morning. I was feeling horny or whatever. And, looked up craigslist I, like people do it differently back then people would just look up craigslist craigslist they didn't have tinder back then yeah, I mean, yeah. back in <laughs> my gri- day or grinder or whatever back in my day we didn't use grinder we <laughs> used uh, craigslist we did it old-fashioned like so went to a guy's house i fucked him on the couch and as i'm doing it i'm looking at the bookshelves and i see he's got a wife and like a couple of kids and i was like uh bro are you married and he's like yeah but everybody's asleep it's okay nobody's gonna know and then I was like, okay, I keep on going on. Then pull out. And I remember like I, part of it, like I got jizz on his couch mm-hmm. on the cushion. And I was like, oh, bro, I am so sorry. Like, you know, I'll whisper, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. He's like, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I'll clean it up. And I was like, no, no, but that's going to stay in your couch. Like, that's like, uh, that's a suede couch. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. You're uh, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, so, <laughs> I know exactly how to clean this yeah. up. <laughs> well, I, I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to leave the stain. I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember driving away from that guy's house thinking, I feel so bad for the couch. And then like a day later, I was like, what, what the hell is wrong with me? What about the family? What about the, the wife yeah. that was sleeping in there? Like, I had no respect for her. I had no mm-hmm. respect for the kids. And I had no respect for him either. And yet I was feeling so guilty about this couch Couch. that I had messed up. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, we got to change. Like, there's something wrong here. This is getting out of control. And then there was aspects of it I'd started feeling like I couldn't concentrate on work. I wasn't calling or connecting with family and friends anymore. All I wanted to do was like, fuck. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I started... Like reaching out to like uh, Sexaholics Anonymous and different programs. Um, there was a, a Christian-based program that I worked through. And I, for me, 
like I'm not trying to push my Christian beliefs on everybody, but like for me, this program really worked and it was based on like reading the Bible and praying and not focusing on like the yourself shame. and the shame and like the liberty. And it's not about like getting this sin under control, but it's about like living free in God, finding the better instead of like focusing on like forgiving your past and yeah, seeing yeah. that you can heal yourself mm-hmm. and move on from it. And it, it's also difficult because a lot of people will try to hold you back into that. Like I can't tell you how many people, people like older gay guys that I've talked to that like it's super pissed if they if they know that like I have had a lot of a lot of gay experiences but that's not really my thing right now they're like no you're gay and you're just denying yourself and this and that I don't know I'm not going to argue with them but do you feel that you're denying yourself no I don't and and so like I think for me the last bunches of times that I've fucked guys or whatever in my mind I'm like god help me just get this over with because I'm not I'm not I'm not into this person into this body I don't really want to do this Sometimes I can't even like get hard or whatever. And I think it's, I think my body and, and who I am on the inside is just saying like, this is not really you, bro. Like it's not authentic to you. Just because it's easy and it's there, it's accessible and it's been your old habit doesn't necessarily mean that it's the new person anymore. So what about when you were having sex with women or when your experiences with women, did you ever feel a time when you're like, oh, I'm not into this or I don't want to do this or I'm not getting hard or I lose my um, erection? So, yeah. So I haven't had a lot of sex with women. But when I have, I always feel all of that, that like, you're not man enough. You've fucked guys. You've, uh, you know, you're not a bodybuilder. Like all of that mm. stuff like gets rehashed and it just makes me feel like I'm not good uh, enough. Good enough. Like I'm just not good enough. You don't measure up. I don't to. measure up. And if you've got the, all those voices playing in your head, you're never going to like, you're never going to enjoy yourself. You're never oh, going to enjoy yeah. that person's body, that person's being. And you're not going to be good enough because you're focused on all these shortcomings. And and I think just recently I've just started realizing like, okay, that's not me. But why is that wrong? Yeah, so I actually went through that same type of situation with Shilpa. Was When we first started to, uh, we just got into our house, uh, our apartment together and I was going through, I was having a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. And I was struggling to have sex, like as constantly as I even felt like a married couple needed to have. And mm. I felt very like yeah. bogged down by my own mind. It was like, it was holding me back from having sex with this very like beautiful woman. Cause every single time I'd talk to myself, I'd be like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And, yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not like meeting the expectation of, you know, a couple having sex. And that actually affected our relationship for a really long time because I was putting so much pressure on myself during that time that we would see ourselves, you know, having a very intimate moment. And so, yeah, I feel like we we do that so often and then it becomes our norm and we create like all these coping mechanisms. And so in order for us to really get outside of that, we have to like almost st- take a step back and reanalyze our whole connection with this one thing, whether it be sex, whether it be drugs or alcohol or whatever it is that we're using to cope. I used to go to the gym a lot and I used to use that as a coping mechanism for yeah. like a distraction for all the stuff, emotional trauma that I, that I was um, dealing with or like the stuff that I was, I was going through. I used or skydiving that I wasn't dealing with. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that I was just running away from. I would use skydiving, use rock climbing. I use, you know, like putting myself in these dangerous situations to help 
cope and it wasn't actually coping. It was numbing. It was numbing. Mm -hmm. And it was me running away from my true issue. Yeah. The underlying issue of me, the voices that I was telling myself that the person I needed to be or who I needed to be in order to properly, you know, be a good husband or to be, I don't know, a good friend or so on and so forth. Yeah. You know, the crazy thing, Isaac, is like, like we're good friends, but I would see, I, I could see you and I would never have thought that you would have had that issue. Cause like, you know, you've got a lot of energy or whatever. And like, I know you and she'll have great sex or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, like, it, it, like I would have never have thought, oh wow, you guys struggled or you struggled with that. And you struggled with those internal voices because mm-hmm. like, I mean, you guys can't see Isaac, but yeah, he's a, he's a good looking guy. Um, I don't want to well, say, thank you. I don't want to say too much. Cause like, you know, his, his head will get yeah, real big. That's how he is. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. More compliments, please. <laughs> <laughs> but so like we see people that that have it all together on the outside and we think they do not struggle with any of this. And the crazy thing is we think if I have it all together on the outside, if I drive that FJ40 classic Jeep, if I have the golden retriever, if I have all of the props, then I'm gonna have it together on the inside. And I, that's not, not the case. true. Yeah. Not true. Right. It's almost like that fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. But then like you end up faking your entire life and you yeah. live like this dual lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I, I had to stop, you know, I got caught and then yeah. I'm like, who the hell am I? Do I yeah. want to continue this for the rest of my life? Because I don't, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be this fake person. And I'm, I am a very spiritual person, so I'm connected to God and I feel like, God, help me. Like, this is not me. And I know you have a better life for me, but I don't know how to get there. Help me. And the way to do it was to stop lying, to Mm. stop cheating, to start all over. I had to leave my family. I had to get away from everything that everyone else was telling me and figure out for myself who I am and start to love that person and not to be ashamed of her. And I think since I've been on that journey of not being ashamed of who I am Mm. and breaking away from all of these expectations and these boxes and these labels, because I don't live up to any of them, that that's when God has been rewarding me and I've been finding love for myself and love being able to love others the way that they deserve to be loved. Because I was really shitty before, you know, I... I was struggling to love myself, so I wasn't capable of loving anyone else. And I think that's where you were at, me when yeah. you were saying you couldn't feel for that woman. I've done some things that I couldn't feel for that person either. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Everyone else is like, you're selfish, you're awful. I'm like, you're right. I don't know why I can't feel it. I don't know yeah, why. You're dead almost. Yeah, like I was dead. And it's because I put up so many walls mm. to not feel to numb everything that hurt. Now that I'm finally in a place of learning to love myself, now I can actually feel and empathize and really connect with others. And yeah. it's it's an incredible feeling. And I think, I feel from knowing you and like having our time together that that is where you're at, that you're yeah. learning that, yeah, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm just learning that myself, yeah. Yeah, you're okay. You don't need to live up to these expectations and that you deserve to be loved for who you are. Yeah. And you don't have to hide. Yeah. I just wanted to put a little caveat in here and saying, like, I know we're talking a lot about God and, you know, you know, you were saying that you're more of a Christian, but as for spirituality in itself, we, I think, I believe across all three of us, we all believe that God speaks to people in many different ways. So whether you call it the universe or you call it Buddha or, you know, if you're Hindu or Muslim, Allah, whatever. 
I just don't want anybody to be deterred just because they're hearing the God or whatever. They're hearing yeah. the, the, the word God. It's not meant to just yeah. be Christian. It's whoever you believe in, the divine power, anyone higher above yourself, you right. know. Now, my next question for you guys is where are you at now? Where where are you at? And then where where do you want to be going forward? So, yeah, like pushing my story forward. Um, was a school teacher for the longest time. They changed the listed age in the military. I'm always, I've always been attracted to like uh, serving in my community, joined the military for a little bit, got married. Now I'm done with that. So like there's a new chapter in life. and Done with the marriage and the military. Yeah, you know, and, and the crazy thing is like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk shit about this person because she has, she she's working through things too. She's on her own journey. Her own journey yeah. or whatever. What we had when we were so young, I mean, we've known each other forever, like the majority of our life. What we were when we were younger is not not who I am anymore and not who I want to be anymore. And so part of it is like taking the risk of saying, I don't want to function in that old way. And also telling people like, this is who I am. This is what I want. And sometimes they don't want that for you. I think the the biggest issue is between me and her is that it's it's all she always says that I wish we could just be what we were when we were like 14 years old I'm not that guy anymore like how old are, how old are you now <laughs> <laughs> I'm 18 <laughs> I'm much older but um yeah like I'm not that guy anymore and I've I've grown a lot or I've changed a lot and so I'm not going to revert back to that person for the sake of making another person happy because that person's happiness is based on their own decisions and mine is on mine. I feel like I need to push forward and she's not okay with that. So it's just not working out. In the words that great philosopher Ariana Grande, thank you next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually kind of like in this limbo state, which transitional like state transitional state yeah. yeah i feel like this is when you start to take real control over your life yeah yeah so that's right that's right so the the right thing to do like and in the military like you know as you're leaving there's all these like this i don't want to say judgment but there's like what what what's your job what's your plan like if you don't have it together like you should just stay in and oh, that's not for me i i don't know if i'm going to go back to those old positions that i was working in uh, i those jobs were offered to me but Part of me also wants to take a little bit of time and just start to discover who this new, mm-hmm. this new V is and decluttering my life, decluttering physically, uh, decluttering voices, also decluttering relationships and being more intentional about what it is that you want to do and what it is that you want to be, regardless of what other people think and want yes. from you. Yes. Yeah. I feel like as you do that, you'll start to see yourself pulling away a lot more from using people um just yeah. for the instant gratification of sex whether or validation it be, or validation yeah. yeah whether it be male or female whichever one you decide you'll start to really grow into that and I, th- and I believe you already have with some of the stories that you have told us since you've been out of the military or since you've been away from that environment like you have really gone after and sought after some really intentional relationships and no longer are you going to be used by other people and no longer are you going to be using other people yeah i think it's more about hey do you respect yourself how much do you care about yourself there you know like i had said in a previous podcast i was just so scared of who i was who i'd become yeah 
that I no longer trusted her. And I'm like, am I this, am I, can I be this powerful person who has more control over her life and who, what she does and who she is. And like we said, it's a, it's, it's a decision that we make every day, you know, what we choose to do and who we choose to be. And that doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, like that it's going, it it could take years, but like, and you're going to screw up. Yeah. Numerous times. Because yeah. we are. I am, you know. Yeah, because you you need to. You need to be able to learn from it. You need to be able to grow from it. And, you know, there's there's an endless amount of decisions that can be made in one situation. And so when you pick the one that you decided, like you're gonna learn from it and everything is gonna happen for you and not to you. And I think I'm just super excited to see how much you grow from this point on and just from the point on of you being more intuitive and reflective and purposeful. Yeah. And and I would say also like that journey into this or journey forward, it doesn't always feel good. No, it's scary and you won't always get support from people. Oh my God. And you have to be careful about what you disclose in front of certain people, because if you're not ready to have that conversation and Mm -hmm. that argument or whatever, and then you just also have to seek out like the good relationships and I think for me, like there is a lot of moments where I, I, I have to pull myself away and question like what I'm doing, question, is this the person I want to be in purging my house? There was a lot of moments where I was like looking at things that, oh, this was, this was like, I was super into fly fishing, you know, for five years or whatever. All of this equipment cost me so much money. That's not really who I am anymore. What was it that I wanted out of fly fishing? I just wanted to be out in nature. I don't want to clean all my gear and all that shit and like, you know, read all these books and like, oh, the nymphs, like in the third month, you got to make it fly. Like, the, like, I don't care about any of that. And so like, you got to take a risk. Like I invested so much into this. It was, became part of my identity. Am I willing to like get rid of it all and lose money at it? And so I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's take that risk. I guess minimize and be more focused on the guy that I want to be now. Now, I think embracing that change and allowing yourself to transform, um, because I know for a lot of people, at least, especially well, the way I grew up, people expected you to stay the same. Yeah, and they were almost shocked, you know, when all my marital stuff happened or things yeah. came out, and I changed and I moved away, and I really wanted independence, and I was transforming into this person that they no longer could recognize. Um, they used it as a an insult. Uh, oh, yeah. to me like oh I don't recognize you who the hell are you and blah yeah. blah blah and you're I'm like, a flake yeah and I'm like well actually you're I'm getting to know her too so here's a new person here's a new version and that's what life is all about it's about learning and transforming and changing and being accepting and open to this new person who's gonna come about and I think because I've experienced that I'm going through that and I've experienced people not almost being afraid of it that I know how I'm trying to be better at also loving others through their changes and through their growth because we are constantly screwing up and making mistakes or, and learning lessons and then, you know, transforming into the person that we are meant to be. And that'll look different now and it'll look different 10 years from now, five years, whatever it is, you know, we're constantly changing and that's the purpose of being here is to transform. And I think in those transformations or as you become, you start to become more of who you really are supposed to be. Yes. Like more of me or more of the authentic me, Mm -hmm. but I am having to learn how to also take care of me the same way that I'm being good to other people, be good to me. And that also means being authentic, standing up, protecting him, giving him permission to do these things. And the crazy thing is like, for whatever reason, life is more enjoyable that way. And I feel more present in that 
And then I feel like you start to lose that whole obsession of like, I'm not a man. Oh, sorry. I'm not a man. <laughs> and, you know, I don't have all of those trappings of manhood. Cause, you know, it doesn't really even matter anymore. And the crazy thing is that comfortableness, that enjoyment of life is so much more attractive. Absolutely. So what do you think is your takeaway message for people who are struggling with the idea of not measuring up? Gosh, yeah. It was enlightening to know that very few people feel like they measure up. Those Kardashian girls or all those people on TV, they've got like tons of plastic surgery and all that stuff. And they have stylists that tell them like, don't do that, story do that, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then all of the stuff that's released is all like heavily edited and photoshopped or whatever. Like if they really felt comfortable or whatever with themselves. They wouldn't care. They wouldn't even do all that. So everybody feels that way that they don't measure up. So why, why chase that? Yeah. And then, I don't know, be true to yourself. Find what it is that, that it lights is. You up. That, yeah, that lights you up, that makes you feel alive. And then also like start evaluating those voices that, that you hear because some of those are lies and some of those don't have your best interests at heart and start dismissing them. But don't dismiss them with anger, but dismiss them with like forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, you, if you're going to be on this rant of like, you were bad to me when I was a kid and I'm going to hold you like responsible for that. And I was never happy because of you. Like <laughs> you're digging yourself into another mm-hmm. prison cell, like just learning how to forgive. I don't need to hear you right now. You're not helpful in this situation. <laughs> yeah. So let's walk away. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And then I don't know, like learning how to be alone with yourself mm-hmm. and discover who you are, reconnect with God. And and I know like, I know some people might be listening. They're like, well, I don't believe in your God, but like whatever that truth, seek that truth out. And that truth will lead you in that that right path. So with all this being said, I would just like to say, go forth and define things for yourself. When somebody says that you're not masculine or when somebody says that you're not manly enough, that's their definition of manly. That's their definition of masculine. That's not yours. So you get to define it for yourself. You get to define your own life for yourself. The world around you doesn't get to do that. So go out, live your truest self and live your life to the best of your ability and redefine things for yourself. You're not defined by the actions of your past. You're defined by your actions now. So just because in the past you stole or you hurt somebody doesn't mean, or you've cheated doesn't mean you're a cheater and doesn't mean you're a thief. Just because you've done one thing once doesn't mean that you have to be- Or several times. or, Or several times doesn't mean that you have to be defined by it today and you get to define yourself and walk in it. Yeah. Live in it. You get to, to create your own life, not your parents, not your friends, not your family members. You do. So if your family can accept the new changes that you're, that you're going through or what you're trying to pursue, then you have to be okay with creating some boundaries or separating yourself because what you're trying to work on is yourself. Absolutely. I really want to thank you for being here and being so honest and sharing your truth. I do believe it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for letting me uh, hang out with you guys. Until next time, this is Shilpa on Chic Lotus Controversial Conversations.